Before I kick off today's show, I wanted to tell you about our newest sponsor, Chasing Aces. If you're anything like me, the pursuit of the ever-elusive ace is one of the reasons to keep stepping onto the course. Chasing Aces offers a stylish lineup of t-shirts, polos, and hats, so all of us can look fresh as we pursue that hole-in-one. This isn't your predictable, boring, everyday golf gear. Chasing Aces will keep you looking sharp from the clubhouse to the tee box. I want you to add some Chasing Aces gear to your lineup, so I'm launching a small contest to go along with this ad. Purchase any Chasing Aces apparel item, and you'll be entered to win one of their accessory items as a bonus. All you need to do is send an email of your receipt to gettingoffcourse at gmail.com, and you'll be automatically entered to win. The drawing will take place on June 1st. Will Chasing Aces gear make you a better golfer? There's only one way to find out. Visit ChasingAcesGolf.com to browse their lineup. You can also find them on Instagram at ChasingAcesGolf. All right, let's get this party started. Welcome to the Getting Off Course podcast. I'm your host, Josh Waldron, and this is episode number 17. I'm joined today by Abby Liebenthal, the senior manager of U.S. Open Fan Experiences and the founder of an awesome nonprofit called For the Ladies. Abby, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you've been working in the golf world for over a decade now. Yeah. And you've compiled this incredible golf-centric resume. Did you ever envision a career in golf or did this just kind of happen? Um, I didn't envision it before school. So I went to Indiana University, studied journalism there. Um, I, not to like age myself, but I graduated in 2012 and I... At the time, internships were like the hot thing that everyone needed to be doing. And so um, when I spoke with my internship advisor, she asked me about my interests and I was going to school to like try to work in journalism and fashion, didn't really think about working in the golf industry at all. And she had recommended the American Junior Golf Association internship, which you'll notice on my resume is the the first job I had out of school. So I did um, two summers of an internship there, immediately fell in love with the idea of working in golf and being able to merge my studies at school with something I was also really passionate about leisurely. I was never a competitive golfer. I played in high school on the high school team and quickly realized like I hated competing. So that's just like I, I immediately found out about all of the opportunities. You know, the AJGA just does a really good job of opening their interns eyes to what is out there, whether it's working in tournament operations or it's working on like the sponsorship side, you learn a lot um, as an intern. And I ended up staying there and going and moving to Atlanta to work there full time. But that's, I didn't envision it. But then once I did that internship, I was all in. Yeah, that's cool. It's kind of nice when things just come together. Yeah. So you've worked for the American Junior Golf Association the Tiger Woods Foundation, Titleist, and Imperial Headwear. Yep. I know it's hard to distill like several years worth of work into a few sentences, but what are some of the key takeaways that you have from those experiences? Yeah, I'm in each of those 
roles in each of those companies were certainly different. Like you can tell some were nonprofit, some were for profit, more, Mm -hmm. you know, direct to consumer or equipment companies. Each of them was a different part of the industry. So for me, it was always about like, well, how can I expand upon my skill set to move on to the next thing that will help me become a more well-rounded person? Didn't know if I was going to be a communications, you know, employee or a marketing professional. Um, But each of those roles helped me realize like what I enjoyed and what I didn't enjoy, which is what anyone's going to experience, whether they're working in golf or they're working in aerospace technology like they're going to realize by going to work for different places what they like and what they don't so for me my path was all about okay i don't really want to work in media relations what's the next step oh well i'm you know i have that writing background and to you know social media was still relatively new they wanted people who were good writers so at title is the opportunity of a social media coordinator yeah um and from there you know i learned oh well i don't have enough marketing and business acumen to be successful in the next stage of my career. So at that point I went back to school part-time. And so every step um, of my career has always been centered around golf. But to me, it was also about learning the right skill sets to be successful in whatever I was going to do next. Sure. So what do you think those key skill sets are? Is it writing? Is that the one or are there multiple things that you enjoy doing? Uh, I think what I enjoy doing now, which you will probably see a little bit of in For the Ladies, is like audience development um, and customer experience, um, distribution of content. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are the things that really make me excited to go into work. So like creating campaigns and executing them in a multi-channel way. We can go down like a very like nerdy marketing path in this conversation. Um, But, you know, to me, I find it really important to have the expert skill sets in the field that you're working in. Golf, you can learn, you can be passionate about, you can study the audience, you can figure out who the customers are. It's not just golfers. It's also like stakeholders or Mm -hmm. PJ professionals juniors people who are like semi-interested in the game people who are golf tragics like there's a lot to learn about golf and the audience but the other half of like working in the workforce is also like what is your what's your skill set like what what are you passionate about in executing the subject and for me the subject is golf and that's great and i love it and um but to me i think what i i really value is like having those skill sets not just saying like oh i work in golf so I do want to talk about your time at Titleist. Sure. Only because it's interesting to me. Yeah. And I'm particularly curious, like, it seems like in some ways, if you're working for a golf brand that has a really strong reputation, that's an advantage. Like you're already set up for success. Totally. But I also know that every job has its challenges. You referenced this a little bit too. What were some of the challenges that you had to tackle in your role there? Um, that's a good question. I, so for the time period that I was there, social media was relatively new. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of, for example, the content that was being created was for the website or a commercial, um, you know, those traditional linear pieces of content and to have to present as still like a young 
coordinator, entry-level employee, and to have to present to people why social media mattered, how is it going to help the brand, how does what an employee say on social media matter? Um, I think like having those conversations and educating people at a time where like social media wasn't brand new, but brands were still figuring mm-hmm. it all out. Um, was a challenge. Like, and then on to- put on top of that, Titleist, as you said, such a reputable company. It's a timeless brand. It's a classic brand. Um, you know, they have their brand look, feel, tone. I mean, there were little conversations I would have along the way, like, can I use this emoji? And yep. today, I'm sure it like really wouldn't matter. But at the time, like, you know, I was figuring out the brand voice and tone as like an entry level employee who was also speaking to half a million people at the time. Right. Yeah. Obviously, their social media has grown like so much since then, as all have all the equipment brands. Um, but, you know, you have an entry level employee. And, I think any company can talk about this when you put an entry level person in charge of social media because they think like that it should go to an entry level person. That person is one of your most like forward facing people to their customer. So it's just an interesting situation where, you know, you actually really need somebody. And fortunately, like I cared enough um, to be careful and ask those questions and like make sure that I was using the brand voice and tone appropriately. But it was a challenge because I was just, you know, new to the role, new to the company, but also had such a big megaphone in social. Yeah. This is why I wanted to ask about it. I mean, I smile as you're saying these things because I don't think of Titleist in social media in the same sentence. Sure. Though I realize in 2022, it makes sense. And I also think of sort of that power that you have in that role to send out messages. Yeah. That's fun. All right. So you now work for the USGA in what I would describe as a pretty unique role. Can you tell me about your role there? Yeah, so I am senior manager of championship marketing, and um, in my role, I work on the U.S. Open fan experiences as well as support some digital marketing efforts, um, like a newsletter to our fans. Yeah, it's been it's been really fun. I it felt like a nice progression in my career. I really, you know, the USGA is something you all you learn about right away when you work in golf, and so. Um, it certainly was always on my radar. Um, but for me, you know, obviously working on a major championship is an honor, but additionally, like I love what the USGA does yeah. outside of championships, all of the work they do with the green section and USGA membership and handicapping and gin, like they're, you know, it, it is the game. And so it just seemed like such a great opportunity. And like I said before, I, I was just learning what I enjoyed doing and what I didn't love doing and where I felt like I could be successful. And when this role came up, it was, it was the right one. Yeah. So do you see any trends in like fan engagement that surprise you or that you wouldn't have predicted? Um, not particularly, but to be honest, like I started in February, 2020. So my first two USGA championships have been COVID, um, events. So, this will actually be my first year working in championship where we're at full capacity. We are running full fan experiences again. So I honestly, I'm more just excited to see what that all looks like and yeah. how that comes together. Um, and I'll have an answer for you next year. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. All right. So we've journeyed through the last decade of your professional life. 
Let's focus. <laughs> yeah. Woo, right through there. <laughs> Let's focus the rest of our time on your nonprofit organization for the ladies. Tell me about this initiative. Yeah. So for the ladies um, came out of, you just heard my entire resume. I've worked in golf for about a decade and you just, you learn things along the way. You realize what you enjoy, what you notice the voids in golf. Like we, you know, we all notice things that can be done better um, and the things that, that can change. And so for me, the thing that I had noticed was there weren't enough opportunities for young professional women to get into golf. You know, I worked in the golf industry, so I would be invited to these golf centric events that were for women to learn how to play or get better instruction. And I was like, well, there should be something a little bit easier, something accessible, something that you can just hop into to learn how to play. And so I hosted my first event when I was at Titleist um, in March, 2019. And to me, it was just, let me just get some friends together. I have some PGA professional friends in the area. Um, and I'll just like host an intro to golf clinic and see what happens. And so I thought I was like, Hey, we'll probably have like 30 people. It was at Newport indoor golf. And that day we had 70 women show up and I was just like shocked by the reception of the event, you know, more than double than what I was expecting. And it was just a really fun day. Like, played music, had drinks for everyone. The place was BYOB. So like you can imagine it was very entertaining. Like, um, but then there were just also a lot of people that were so willing to support it. We had Lululemon do a pop-up shop, Puma Golf. We had 4A Golf there, like giving out swag. And so to me, I was like, gosh, like what a special community and opportunity here. How can we just continue to expand upon it? And so for me, I was just going to locations where I had friends or colleagues or family to host events. So Chicago, Jacksonville, Florida, and the reception just continued to be really strong. Like we were selling through these events and at the time I wasn't even incorporated yet. And so uh, the pandemic hit and I put all events on pause. I was like, you know, we probably had like 10 events scheduled and I was like, it's just not going to happen this year. Um, So in 2020, I spent a lot of time working on the brand and getting people, you know, putting together the website, starting a newsletter, podcasting, all of it. And now we are here last year in 2021, we hosted like 30 events, two golf trips. So it's just continued to expand from there. But to me, you know, the original mission was to get more women introduced to golf. And now it has evolved into a bit more of um, how do we continue to keep women engaged in the game and get them excited about it? And whether it's watching or playing or participating, what can For the Ladies do to kind of be that go-to resource for women who want to be a part of the game? So you've obviously talked to tons of women along the way across the United States. What do you think are some of the biggest barriers that keep women from trying their hand at golf? Um, I mean, I think it's very similar to the reasons any person, gender, age wouldn't get into it. It's access to a golf course. It's, oh, I don't have equipment. I don't have the apparel. I don't even know where to go. Um, So it's a mix. It's a a gender thing, but it's also not. Um, Mm -hmm. I think when it comes to the gender side of it, I have just found when we host 
these events, the women, the participants feel really comfortable because they're not worried about being embarrassed. Like I try to show on social media, we don't really show golfers who are, you know, two handicaps. We're showing female golfers of all skill sets and their swings aren't perfect and it's okay because we're all figuring it out and we're getting into it. And I think that's for me where my passion for like audience development comes from is like attracting more people into something I love in a way that's friendly and approachable. And I don't think we always see that, you know, when, when we see golf, we think of the PGA tour, we think of the LPGA, we think of golfers who are, you know, at the height of their, they're the 1% who are the absolute best. And, and, and I think it's so much fun to have that entertainment and have those people to aspire to be, but if, Hey, if you want to enjoy the game recreationally, we need to show what those golfers look like too. And so that's what I try to do a lot with for the ladies. Um, but yeah, I think when it comes to barriers, it's just, it's kind of what you hear a lot of the time. Um, you know, it is the accessibility, the price, the equipment, the not, not really knowing what to do. And so, you know, it's, it's so funny to, watch people attend for the ladies events you know we try to put ourselves like right at the front door so people aren't like lost when they get inside but if you were going to show up to a golf course for the very first time like I don't know if you would you would go into the pro shop you'd figure it out you'd ask around but it, it certainly has its own culture and and that's why I created for the ladies to make more people feel comfortable playing golf however they want to play it yeah this you know, all of this is great because I think you're absolutely right. It's not just a gender thing. And this is, I'm saying this because I'm a golf outsider. Like I, <laughs> I'd never really stepped foot on a country club course until I was 23 and certainly wouldn't have been impressed with my own swing if I watched it on tape. But running a par three course taught me there's all sorts of people that actually would engage with this if the carpet were laid out a little bit more casually for them. Totally. Yeah, you're doing that. So it's great. Do you feel like COVID and sort of the growth that the sport has seen is pushing more women to explore golf? I think so. I'm. I, it's in the numbers. I mean, you can look at, you know, the National Golf um, Foundation um, shared their numbers and I can't recall them off the top of my head. But, you know, the huge growth of female participation in the game, whether that's on the golf course or that's off course. So that's driving range, top golf, simulators, five iron golf, you know, par three courses, mm -hmm. hut shack, like drive shack, all of them. Um, and, and it, you know, I think it was an activity that was interesting, but it was something maybe your spouse did or your friend always did because her family was at a country club, but it was never for you. So um, I think that COVID obviously forced us to all find ways to be safe given the situation. And, you know, we all, we all realized golf being outside um, allowed us to do that. And I think along the way, women just you know, they found it to be a family activity. They found it to be something they could do with their friends. It just, it just opened the doors to me in my eyes. It just opened the doors for like more interest and people started to value their time differently. If they were going to spend their time where they're going to try to be more active. So they would be outside and play golf. And I think that to, in my opinion, the lifestyle around golf, the lifestyle of being active and being outside that stemmed from the pandemic 
just really helped golf. It also helped things like pickleball and it, you know, so um, golf wasn't like the only sport game to benefit from this, but it became an option where before maybe my option for Saturday was going to be brunch in the pool because I didn't have anybody to play golf with. Now golf is part of the conversation. Yeah. So are you ready for a few compliments here? No. (laughs) Well, I'm going to, I'm going to dish them out anyways. Okay. I love the branding of for the ladies. Like I love the colors. I, you know, I'm not really an expert at anything, but I do design websites. That's something I know a little bit about. Oh, we'll we'll talk later. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. You know, I love seeing ideas that are great ideas that are then done well. So executed well, you launched this nonprofit and COVID hits. And in some ways that could be like, oh man, you know, wrong timing, wrong place, wrong time. Sure. You know, try again later. But instead it seems like you had this great idea and most great ideas start small and blossom into something bigger, which is exactly what's happening with For the Ladies. So you're three years into this. Can you describe like the growth that you've experienced? Yeah. Um, and thank you for the kind words. Um, the the logo came from Seth McCorder of McCorder Creation Creative, and uh, he's great. And we've kept that ever since. So I love it. Looks great. Um, the growth. So yes, the I mean the growth has been exponential. It's it's very interesting um, to me. The the growth, whether it's the chicken or the egg, the growth comes from the events that we host. And so the more events we host for for the ladies, the more people we get you know into the system and you know are able to offer them more fun opportunities to engage with the game. It's just been, it's been both. So the growth is like growth in number of events and growth in interest from golf courses, LPGA and PGA professionals, people in the industry wanting to support. And then the growth from the customer side, it has been matching that, which is wonderful. I mean, I am so pleasantly surprised by how many people we get to come to our events. You know, we kind of, we max them out at 50 um, for the intro to golf events um, for for majority of the uh, for the events, depending on the facility size, and we've been able to maintain that, which is really cool. And I think what sometimes is surprising to people or maybe misunderstood is they expect all of the people at the clinics to be like brand new to the sport, like never picked up a golf ball before. That's not always the case. It's just people who are like new to the game, and so. I think we're kind of solving multiple problems or multiple just situations where one is mm-hmm. beginners really don't know where to start. Maybe they've like been to a driving range once and they want like a formal introduction to the game and we're serving them in that way. The other group that we're serving is they're still rel- they're, they might be kind of new to the game. They're two to three years in. They don't take lessons. They just kind of play and figure it out we also tend to serve those type of people too. So, yeah, which is, it's interesting because a lot of the time I hear, well, we wish we were working with people who are more avid golfers. And I'm like, it's, they kind of are because they're investing in the game. They're coming to an event. Most of them stick with it afterward, whether it's like, it depends on your definition of an avid golfer, but they're going back to the driving range or they're playing in a five iron golf league. Um, 
they are going to play in their family's outing every year. So the growth has been really cool, but it's been also really interesting to see the type of people that have come along the way. So are there any growing pains that you've had to work through? It sounds like one of them would be your audience, like figuring out who your audience is or how to work with the different groups that are represented. Any other challenges that you've had to confront? I mean, it's just, I can only be at so many places at once. Um, yeah. Fortunately, like that's there's, a good problem. Though. Yeah, there's, there are a lot of, you know, courses are, it, the, the conversation I have now with golf courses when I reach out and say, hey, I really want to host a For the Ladies Intro to Golf Clinic in Chicago, um, found your golf course in the area, would love to host. They're much more receptive in talking to me now than when I started in 2019, which comes in any business and being new and you have to have people take chances on you. But now the interest in hosting events is just higher, um, which is wonderful. But, you know, last weekend we hosted events in Milwaukee and Denver. I can't be in both Milwaukee and Denver. And, you know, I have a full time job, too. So it's been it's a resource thing. Um, I think the challenge has also been there's so much more I want to do, you know, on a content front. Like I'm hardly doing any content and I wish I could do so much more. Um, I think that. There are so many, you know, there are people doing great content um, on social media when it comes to women's golf. But, um, you know, my interest is a bit more about blogging. And if I could get like a videographer to do Mm -hmm. some blogging from our events, um, just uh, as people in, you know, the content space or any consumer of social media knows, like there is so much content out there. But I think that there's an opportunity to create even more female focused golf lifestyle content. Yeah. So this was, this is great because this leads me to a question that I wanted to ask you about. Um, in addition to your events, you, I think you offer a ton of helpful content and this comes in the form of blog posts and podcasts. Do you have a favorite piece of content that you've produced so far? I have really enjoyed the golf One Hundred and One podcasts about, like the different unwritten rules or or written rules of golf, whether it's golf 101, they're all WTF is. So golf 101, WTF is handicap index. What is golf course architecture? What is uh, golf fashion? Those have been just, they've been really fun. And I think that they end up, they end up being the pieces of content that people come back to me and say like, this was helpful. And to me, like, that's what, that's what it should be all about being helpful and educational and and whether it's in like a fun way or serious way. Uh, But most recently a piece of content that I didn't even write was um, from my friend Chelsea who came on our band in Dunes golf getaway. And she wrote this essay for our website um, that compared the different courses to different Taylor Swift albums. And to me, it, it made I don't know if she realizes it, but she made talking about band and dunes and the golf courses and the architects so much more fun and relatable to our audience. And that's what it's all about. And I just, I thought it was so cool and I give her major props for doing it. And it's been one of my more, like, it was a fun piece to help like edit and it was fun to do the creative work for it. So that that's probably my favorite right now. Yeah. I remember seeing the title of the blog post and knowing right away, like, Oh, there's the little Taylor Swift play. 
and I, you know, the post itself, it's great. I love she it. She did such a good job. Yeah. Making content can be pretty boring, but making fun content can be a lot of fun. So that that's the way to go. All right. So any idea what for the ladies will look like five years from now, or are you just kind of going with the flow? It's a good question. Um, I have, I've been asking myself it a lot recently. I know that within the next year, I want for the ladies to become even more of a formalized community. I want the events to act as a way to get more people into that community. And I want audience, I want people who, people, doesn't matter what gender, I want people who are interested in golf to feel like they can come to For the Ladies as a resource to get excited about the game. Um, Or if they have a question, they kind of know, like, they're going to get a real answer Mm -hmm. that is in a colloquial sense, like, isn't a bunch of gibberish. So I think I can, I feel like right now I can only really speak to, like, the the short term. Um, You know, I think any founder's dream is to be able to like do something um, and put everything into it that they can. But I think for me, I'm still learning a lot too. I think that golf is also evolving in really, you know, exciting ways. And and that will also shape where for the ladies goes. All right, Abby, we end every episode of the podcast with a lightning round. Oh, exciting. Are you up for this? Yeah. All right. Five questions for you. If I'm tracking your different jobs along the way, I think it's safe to say that you've lived in at least five different states. Can you give me the list of states that you've lived in? (laughs) That's such a fair question. Um, Ohio, Indiana, Atlanta, Washington, D.C., California, Rhode Island, New Jersey, North Carolina. That's eight. Wow. Yeah. Rhode Island. That's that's a fun one. Yeah. So if you had to choose to live in one of those places for the rest of your life, where are you choosing? Oh, I really like North Carolina right now. It feels right. Man, you just let seven other states down. (laughs) All right. Question two. To say you're good at social media would be an understatement. So what's your favorite platform to work with? Um, My favorite. Favorite, so my favorite platform personally for like Abby Liebenthal is Twitter. Um, I just consume a lot of the content. Um, my favorite content to work on for For the Ladies is Instagram. Um, most specifically, Reels have been kind of fun. And my favorite content to consume overall is TikTok. All right. It's interesting. So you graduated in 2012, right? Yeah. So I graduated 2006. So I'm six years ahead of you on this social media journey. Yeah. And I remember the day I signed up for a Twitter account. I'm like, this is interesting. Right. And so if I'm going to waste time or use my time wisely on social media, Twitter probably is my favorite. And I think it just has to do with my age and timing, I guess. Yeah. I feel like similar. Yeah. All right. If you could play a round of golf with any professional, doesn't have to be a golf professional either, professional anything, who would you want to hang with? Mm. I would want to play with Nellie Corda. 
She just seems like right. queen of cool. I could use a bit of that. Yeah. <laughs> Question four. You have a very golf-centric life. What's one random hobby or interest that you have that's not golf related? <laughs> that's a tough, tougher question than, than I think uh, anyone's expecting. One of my like favorite interests is like going out to eat and f- we we call it like the fake food blog because we I am not a real food blogger in any sense, but I appreciate good dining experiences. Um, so probably that. And um, aside from that, like I... I'm definitely a Peloton active user. So, and I, I like, I enjoy using it. So. All right. Last one for you. So you have a wedding coming up in August. Yep. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. What's one item on your wedding registry that you 100% need to have? Okay. I don't think we're going to get it, but it is one of those like Uno outdoor pizza makers. <laughs> I kid you not, in the last week, I've spent at least an hour researching outdoor pizza makers. Yeah. My mother-in-law has like her whole setup, an outdoor brick oven thing that she had built a couple years ago. But I'm just looking at kind of what you're looking at, something where I can make my own pizza. I know. We got a really nice pizza stone, but this um, little outdoor setup would be quite nice. (laughs) All right, listeners, I'm leaving it up to you. Get Abby and Brendan a pizza (laughs) oven for their big day. Fingers crossed. Abby, (laughs) fingers crossed. Thanks again for joining me. Before we go, give us the rundown. Where can golfers connect with For the Ladies? Yeah, um, so on social media, at For the Ladies, and that's F-O-R-E. And then you can check out our website and subscribe to our newsletter at ForTheLadies.net. Very good. Anything else you'd like to plug? No. I mean, follow along. Thanks for following this journey. Um, We have really, I mean, it's just been really fun. Like, I think if anything, like I am just so pleasantly surprised by the generosity of people. And I think I've learned a lot about myself and how cool this golf community can be. So it's introduced me to people like you and, um, I think that, you know, sky's the limit when people are willing to let more people in. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Visit For the Ladies, that's for with an E, to connect with this great organization. You can also check out gettingoffcourse.com to see the show notes or listen to past episodes. And if you have the time, please rate, review, and subscribe. Getting Off Course is presented by Par 3 Near Me. Visit par3nearme.com to find a Par 3 or executive golf course near you.